talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. All week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. G'day, one and all, and welcome to another episode of The Dropped Kickoff. And it's easy to forget that in the midst of all the craziness of the World Cup going on, all the Japanese victories against the likes of Ireland and Wallabies losing to Wales, that um, the NRC is still going and has just passed the halfway point of the season. And so for us to uh, talk about the run-up to what is going to be the, the end of the regular season and the semi-finals. I'm joined by probably the busiest man in Australian sport right now. Okay, Brett, how are you, mate? Hey, Brad, you're back on, and that's probably not far off the mark at the moment. It's um, it's a, it's it's a, it's the middle of a of a busy fortnight for me, certainly. Yeah, well, look, I, I know that's been pretty busy with you covering the Raiders and the and the GWS final, and I don't know, and of course the World Cup. I don't know how the hell you've been able to find some time to squeeze in NRC games. I always talk about it, and I always like, how's he managing this? How is yeah. he covering so much sport at once? Yeah, I'm, I'm not enti- I'm not entirely sure how I've managed it myself at the moment, but um, but anyway, we plow on. Indeed, we do. And so um, we're going to take a slightly different strategy to uh, uh, to the podcast that we did last time, where we basically just went through each team one by one. We're basically going to steal uh, the format from the from the parent show, the Green and Gold Rugby Show, and basically we have five burning questions of our own covering the NRC. Question one: The earlier kickoff times has it worked in terms of the coverage of the NRC and getting more support? Question two, are we convinced by the new law variations? We talked about it a little bit in our first podcast, but uh, just to elaborate on it a little bit further. Question three, which team has surprised us the most in rounds four and five? Question four, are the force still our favourites to win the competition? And then question five, we're going out on a limb here to predict the final two rounds and going, what is our prediction for the top four teams come the end of round seven? So I think before, yeah, we'll, we'll kind of kick off with with question with question one here, and I'm really keen to hear your your thoughts on this, Brett, because mm. I think looking across the competition, when this was kind of first announced, I actually thought it was a really great idea to have the earlier competition, um, the earlier kickoff times, to, so it would not interrupt with the rugby, um, and with the with the rugby World Cup and results like that. Um, but it has been a bit of an interesting uh, result in terms of people getting to games and in terms of how it appears with the World Cup. What's your thoughts on these earlier kickoff times? Yeah, I, I have to admit, I, I don't, I don't mind them, and, and I actually like the fact that it doesn't seem to have impacted crowds too much. If anything, it might have. Um, and, and I know there's no real official crowd figures at any game, but I, but I actually wonder whether crowds might be slightly up this year because they, I just think the. The midday kickoff, in a lot of cases, um, just lets people, um, you know, get on with their afternoon. You know, the, the rugby can be done by three o'clock, sort of thing, and you, you can go, you can still go down to the shops, you can still go down to the beach, you can still go and meet a couple of mates down at the pub, or yeah, yeah, like there's still there's still a fair bit of the afternoon um, to go after it, and so I actually wonder whether it's it's actually been a um, uh, a, a happy little flow on a happy little byproduct, and especially in in places like like Sydney, for example, which um, 
have been notoriously hard to draw a crowd sometimes. I, I, I think the, the, the crowds at the Sydney games particularly have been really, really strong. So um, I, I think they might have actually stumbled onto a bit of a winner there. Yeah, I'm, I'm a bit more on the fence about it, to be honest. I think oh, I went to the uh, Sydney-Queensland country game, and it wasn't a, a, a huge crowd that was there, but I kind of was expecting that when, when I turned up in the first place. But, um, as, but that was actually a really interesting game because the crowd got into it pretty quickly when Sydney really took control of that game and, mm. uh, and really knocked uh, the country team off, which kind of gave me a lot of hope that there would uh, be more people turning up. And it looked like there was a, a better crowd um, that turned up on the week uh, this weekend, just gone at Foreshore Rugby Park when they lost to the Rising. I I'm a little bit still not to be totally convinced because I think that uh, a couple. I mean, I've been chatting to a couple of people about it on Twitter, and a few people have talked about how, particularly during kind of the first or one or two rounds when the club junior finals was on, that it would have been a little bit more difficult for the likes of you know parents and uh, junior club. Uh, the junior club people to be able to actually get down to those games. But I don't know. It's I'm curious to see how it goes now. I think it's a bit difficult Ooh. to tell, especially this year, because a lot of focus is drawn to the World Cup. Yeah, no doubt. And I think what's, what has been telling for me is that every time that you go to the likes of games like in Brisbane City and out in WA, and you've seen that they've done all of the entertainment around the games – and yep. had a screen as well for, like, if you wanted to watch the Wallabies match. And all of those games, the crowds have been fantastic, yeah. um, which I think is, a, like, it's kind of, it brings a bit of a festival atmosphere. And I've always found the best crowds in Sydney here have always been the games where they've had a, they've had those food stalls, they've had jumping castles, yeah, they've had everything. Yeah. I yeah, reckon there's... Games that, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see, like, I reckon it's something potentially persisting with next season when it's not when the only focus w- would be the, the rugby championship and yep. there wouldn't be every game happening every second weekend. So the NRC has a chance to actually have a bit more of time in the spotlight. But, yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting one. Oh, I think I, I think you're right. Um, I think next year there would be, you know, an opportunity to, you know, stack games up on a Saturday, for example, leading into a rugby championship game. You could play a game at, uh, you know, 12, 2 and 4, say, Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the Eastern Standard Times um, going into a rugby championship game on the East Coast somewhere at, at 7.30, and I think that would actually work work pretty well. Um, but, you know, obviously it's only one game a week that's being played early, but I, I'm just, yeah, I've been pleasantly surprised by them. I, I wondered initially when they announced it um, whether it might actually have, have a bit of an impact, but when you, when you look at who's played those, um, you know, those, those early games... It's been, um, you know, it's it's been the New South Wales teams in a lot of cases. So, mm. um, you know, I I think I, I can't help but think that that's been a little bit deliberate. Um, it's it's certainly been very deliberate in order to get away from, uh, you know, uh, conflicts with the uh, with the Rugby World Cup. And I think there is only six games through the World Cup where there's an NRC game being played as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I think I think by and large they've managed to avoid the conflicts and the, and the clashes pretty well. And um, and yeah, like I say, I think um, I think I think it's certainly worth uh, thinking about and, and thinking about retaining for next year for sure. 
I'd be curious to see what the numbers were that from the streams that rugby.com and KO Sports have had in terms of this, because it seems like a great idea to have just a lead on from uh, from play from the actual from those NRC games going into World Cup games. You've just had four games yeah. back to back to back, which I've I've done way too many times <laughs> over the yeah, course yeah. of these last couple of weeks. I haven't got anything yeah. done, but yeah. If, um, I mean, it's just, if there's one, if there's one, if there's one criticism, um, you know, obviously. Obviously, you know if you're if you're a rugby fan and you're gonna watch the watch the rugby on Fox Sports, for example, um, they, then there's a little bit of platform changing. Obviously, um, you know mm. they could make things a little bit easier there, I suppose. But you know, KO Sports was was invented in the first place to you know help Fox cover more sport realistically and offer more options. So uh, you know, look, it's it's the it's the way modern broadcasting and modern modern consumption is going i suppose and look i i love that that all the games have been on rugby.com.au and, and i don't mind admitting i've watched every game um yeah even even games that have been on fox i've often found myself watching it on rugby.com.au because i know there's another game before or after it and so you just naturally stay where you are so um you know we've we've never had more nrc rugby more accessible than it is this year. So, uh, look, I think that's been a, a, a really good thing, and, and I, I have no doubt at all that this is a, a bit of a blueprint for the NRC in the future. Exactly. And on top of it, you know, even having kind of like the, the smaller crews down covering, it seems to me that because people have oft, often talked about how uh, the competition will be able to keep going. I mean, the, if this is the blueprint by which to go forward, they did a similar thing with the Super W. Um, you streamed all yeah. of those platforms. I think it, this seems to be a really positive way to go in terms of covering it and getting it out there. So, yeah. look, more the merrier for me, in my a opinion. Competition like the NRC, uh, like Super W, um, like the uh, the University Sevens, um, is all about being accessible and being able, having people being able to watch it. And um, you know, it, the, the actual numbers themselves don't really matter, I think. But but just being able to say. Yeah, you just go to this website and it's really easy to find. Mm. Um, now that that makes it so much easier, and, and, and like I say, I'm, I'm sure we'll see um, more of it uh, in in future seasons. Yeah, agree. It's a it's a good it's a good point, and kind of leading on from that, we'll we'll, uh, we'll jump into question two because in, in addition to the new coverage, we've also been we've we talked about this in our first podcast, um, the 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 different law variations and new changes to the law, uh, to the laws. So specifically around the forty twenty two kick, um, and the uh, five meter dropout um, rewarding for defence. Now that we've had two more rounds here. I'm kind of really curious to to hear your thoughts on this because I know that the last time we talked about this you were quite you were really liking the 4022. Yep. Um but you were hating the, the, the 5022 obviously. So 50, sorry 5022 yep. rather, but you were hating the 2250. Yes. Um, very much so. And considering some of the games that we've had I'm very curious to hear if that has been elated or not or confirmed. No, absolutely, absolutely confirmed, mate. No, no, um, no. I've had well, the opinion that I carried after the first two rounds um, has just been rein- reinforced over these last three rounds, and happily, uh, I don't think we've seen too many twenty-two fifty kicks coming back because I think teams are actually starting to realise and they're actually starting to defend the fifty twenty-two kick better, and so they. They are playing two players back, even probably probably back slightly deeper. Um, you know, whenever 
the the team with the ball actually gets somewhere near halfway. You can see teams adjusting their backfield defence to, uh, to 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 be ready for that kick. So, but they also recognise that if you do it well, um, it's it's actually an attacking opportunity. So um, you know we we haven't seen too much just bombing from inside your own twenty two and hoping for the best because I think we, and which is a good thing. I I think that's the sort of happy outcome from it that could see that part of the variation just dropped off and we would see no difference at all uh, in the way the game is played. So, but, but the 50, 50 22 kick um, is, I think that works pretty well. I think it gives teams, you know, a chance to just to build on their attack and then quickly bounce it downfield. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And like I say, it's definitely forcing teams to, um, um, to, uh, to to adjust their backfield defence as well, which, um, you know, isn't, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, I agree. I think it's uh, it has always been interesting to see, particularly with these rule changes, how teams have adapted to it over the course of the season. Um, and I think that having that in, uh, increased emphasis on kind of defending the likes of the 50-22 kick um, has really kind of opened... It opened up the the game a bit more, not the least of which because you've got the likes of the of teams actually trying to have a crack at, at, at the at you know kicking. But in addition, if the team successfully defends and stops the kick from happening, they'll be more inclined to to have a go themselves, which um and yeah. open up the game in terms of broken play, which kind of really is exciting to look at. And I quite and I quite in, am quite enjoying it. I do agree that the twenty two fifty is increasingly something that probably will. I don't think it works as um, either, but um, so maybe it probably will be maybe just a case of a, of, a, of just a one-off attack going from 50 to the 22. Um, but I will say the defensive one, the defensive move of of the dropout off the five-meter line, I think is I'm kind of quite sold on it now. Um, I think that in terms of of kind of rewarding good defense, um, it's a really excellent way in terms of managing. Uh, in terms of allowing the defensive team to actually have the chance to just play smarter when they're defending yep. their their line, yep. and it, it, I I kind of it was an interesting point that you raised in our first pod where you talked about how you thought the teams would would potentially try to, to deliberately get a hold up, so uh, so that they would uh, so it would lead to a dropout. But really, I haven't really seen any instances of that. There's still very much an emphasis of trying to keep the players out. So so I don't I. I haven't changed my mind on that one either. I have to admit, um, I, I can. It's definitely doing what they hoped it might do. It's definitely getting getting the ball back in play quicker. Um, you know, we're not getting bogged down with five meter scrums and resets and penalties and scrums and scrums and scrums. Um, so, so it's definitely achieving that, which is a good thing. Um, and you know, like we, like we said a few weeks ago, I, I think it's I think it is still important to um, you know to be able to reward good goal on defense. Um, and so, you know, if the, if the byproduct of, of these couple of law variations is that the next generation of Australian players are better at defending on their own line and they have better uh, anticipation in the backfield in terms of like fullback play. Um, and there is more focus on tactical kicking with a, with an attacking reward, then it's a no-brainer that these law variations work. So, you know, even in fact, even even if um, it works out that the NRC 
and maybe this level of, of rugby is the only place that it's, it's used, I actually won't mind that because the flow-ons for what it could do for you know the, the, the generation of players coming through um, can only be a good thing. Yeah, I agree. I do think, though, that what the, the key thing as well, I think, away from these, I think that these rules, these two rules particularly, should always be put in, if we are going to persist with them, we should persist with both of them because yeah, together. That. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're going to give teams the opportunity to march their attack downfield with a kick, then you've got to have, you're right, you've got to have that ability for defensive teams to be able to get one back somehow. Um, yeah. and, and certainly the, uh, the, the goal line dropout gives them that. So yeah, look, I, I think, I think they work quite well. Um, I don't think I've heard any coach or player have an ill word about any of them with the obvious exception of the, of the 2250 kick. Um, so I think the, um, the general consensus about, uh, about these these LVs is, is that is they've worked really well and and that they are delivering on what they intended and what what it was hoped they would deliver. Yeah, absolutely, I agree with that. Um, I think it's probably a good time now, uh, yeah. with that in mind, to move on to the actual games themselves. And I think um, round four and five have kind of really served up a key point it's been interesting it's been i think i can't i don't know if every if all of the teams have had a consistent run in terms of you know we've had teams winning and we've had teams losing and we've had surprise results and we've had um you know we've had shellackings and we've had upsets i'm i i'm i'm guessing i'm a i already i'm going to preempt what your answer is here about which team has surprised us the most but which team did brett um over the last couple of rounds, um, I, I, I do really like what New South Wales country is starting to build in towards. Um, you know, they had that they had that, that last-minute draw and they had to fight back to get that last-minute draw against Fiji in round three. That was down in Wollongong. Um, you know, they go down by five to a pretty, pretty good Brisbane City side and then they beat the previously undefeated Western Force uh, and, and, and beat them pretty well. To, um, to be to be to be brutally honest, you know that wasn't that was there was no fluke about that. If anyone's gonna uh, yeah put you know put five tries on the uh, on the Western Force when they've previously been defending pretty well, that's a that's a pretty solid effort. So um, you know I think uh, I think there's some really good good things coming out of New South Wales country. Um, I, I certainly like what like what they're doing, um, and and even last week I think that. That win over um, uh, that win over Fiji for for the Vikings for Canberra was was really important because you know they'd lost to Queensland Country in round two they had a decent well you know albeit a one point win over Brisbane City um, at home which you know could have gone another way on, on another day I suppose um, and then they were pretty lackluster against the Force over in Perth last yeah. week so so they needed a reaction. And they needed a bounce back win, and they got that against Fiji. And so now they set themselves up over these last two rounds. They've got Sydney in Canberra this week, and 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 if we're praising teams, I think it's it, we've also got to say that Sydney have been a bit disappointing over the last two weeks. Mm. Um, then 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 Canberra can can really set things up, and the way things are working at the moment, the round seven clash between Canberra and New South Wales country in Canberra, 
potentially will decide, I think, the, uh, the the second home semi-final. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's It has been something that one thing I've really loved is how I think you could either view these kind of inconsistent or these all of these results as either um, talking about that the teams are inconsistent or you can say that as as a whole, the competition's quality has risen considerably. Yeah. Which I'm intent, I'm believe willing to believe the the second the second point on that. There is I mean there's five it's you really genuinely believe um, that any team can beat any team any day of the week and I think that is indi- indicative of the fact that between you know the likes of fourth and seventh there's only three points difference and there's only yeah. I think a five there's only a, a bonus point wins difference between third and seventh. Yeah. And yeah. And it's it's you know interesting to say even the likes of Sydney that are that have has been they had a pretty disappointing fortnight with with their uh, before with their two losses, um, they technically could still could still make the top four if they have a miraculous um, bounce back. I think effectively the, the round six here will be the, will be the last roll of the dice for them effectively. Well, and, and, it, and it would be miraculous because they've got Canberra the force to go. So. Exactly, yeah. But um, for me, I mean, it, the team that really uh, has surprised me, because um, I think in our last podcast we, we ranked the teams from top to, to bottom. Uh, we examined them by where they were on the table. And at that time, the team that was coming last was the Melbourne Rising. And I think you and I were pretty clear on that we were kind of wondering what exactly was the game plan and what was going yeah. on. It, what, was going on in terms of uh, of what was happening with this Melbourne Rising team, and I must say I'm prepared to I've very much have eaten, eaten humble pie in regards to it because this last fortnight, it, a lot of those younger players from that Rising team um, have really been standing up and really yeah. been playing well. Um, they've absolutely put a very um, lackluster Queensland Country team uh, to the sword. Um, in Ballarat, which was an amazing game, including that mm. unbelievable try to to the wizard himself, Mr. Harry Potter, um, and to then come back and then uh, really put in a great performance against against Sydney um, away from home, I think was a really positive uh, step forward. And I'm actually curious at how they're going to go when they play the Fiji and Drua this weekend. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, in in Fiji, um, I, I no, think we find out. Oh, I, I think we find out a lot about both teams this this weekend. Um, you know, F- Fiji have still got the trouble that they they don't travel particularly well. Um, and then this year they've only got three games in Fiji, I think, as we discussed a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, it's a game that sort of neither of them can afford to lose. Um, mm. But obviously, that's that's not going to be the case. Um, you know, and I'll be. I'll be entirely surprised if Fiji pull a third draw out of out of out of six games. So, yeah, obviously one of them will, will drop out. Look, I'll be I'll be honest, and I think this is sort of preempting um, another question to come. But I I'm not sure that any of those bottom three team, uh, teams currently, which is um, Fiji, Melbourne, and Sydney, I know they can mathematically make it, but I don't think any of them can actually mm. make it now. I, I think. Yeah. Um, I think the results on the weekend, albeit you know the Melbourne Rising won and won pretty well, and so you know, now find them find themselves only just out of the uh, out of the top four. I'm yeah, I still don't think they're quite there. Um, but it's certainly what I what I do like in this is when I look at the table, 
there's six teams with either three wins or two wins. And I know yeah. Fiji have actually only got one win, but two draws is effectively the same as two wins uh, in there as well. So, you know, the, the fact that we've got so many teams in that middle tier who have who have, have really, um, you know, who've really been able to beat anyone, and, and we've seen it, you know. Um, mm. You know, Fiji pulls those couple of draws out. You know, Canberra loses to Brisbane City, who at the time weren't weren't doing. Uh, Canberra, sorry, Canberra beat um, uh, beat Brisbane City. Lose to Queensland Country, who at the time weren't doing a whole lot. Um, you know, New South Wales Country have pulled a couple of wonderful wins out. Now Melbourne's won two on the trot. Um, you know, I, I think it's it's just setting things up really, really nicely for these last two rounds. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's it, it this kind of probably leads quite nicely into into our next question because I think when you know, when the last time we talked it was quite clear that it, while everyone else was there was a lot of really great games happening, it was quite clear that the force with all of their having had more time to play together, having had probably the added the added benefit of having the likes of Global Rapid Rugby, which has been trialling a lot of the variations yep. um, already yep. in place, uh, that they were probably looking like they were going to cakewalk it. Um, but it, while I, they can when the, the result on the weekend, um, which I think is only their second or third loss of the of their entire season this year. I don't think they lost a single match yeah, in Global Rapid Rugby. That'd be about right. I think they might have dropped. I think they dropped a match against. They, they, they did a match against Tonga. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One, which is one of the showcase games, wasn't it? You're right. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. They, I think it, 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 it was telling to me that because I, I had a, some question marks about the forces forward pack, um, and I could tell, and and that was where the game was won and lost against mm. the um against New South Wales country. So this question here, I feel like you know a lot of people in the West will dispute it, but do you think that the force are still I mean, you and I both said that we thought the Force were going to win the competition when it started. Yeah. Do yep. you think they're still favourites now, or is it a bit yeah. or is it uh, is it, or do you think that people now have, have a sense of how they can finally knock them off? Uh, oh, look, I'm sure I'm sure people do have have a sense. Uh, I'm absolutely sure that New South Wales country have have laid down a bit of a blueprint, but um, I, I also think the Force will still finish top. Um, you know, they've got. Uh, a couple of games to come, Brisbane City and Sydney to come. They're, they're both very, very winnable. Um, and the game against Brisbane City, is it in Brisbane this weekend or is it over in... No, it's back in Perth. It's back in Perth? Yeah. They could... They, if, they, if they pull out a bonus point win over there, they go to 24 points. Um and all of a sudden, they're going to be sitting very, very comfortable in first spot. So um, I sort of alluded to this, I suppose, in saying that I think New South Wales, New South Wales country in Canberra in in, uh, in round seven will decide the second playoff spot, and 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 that's because I think the Force will already have the uh, the first one sewn up by then. Yeah, but I do. I, it kind of is interesting you, you mentioned that because I think that. As we, we talked about last time, how we we still had some question marks about New South Wales country as a legitimate threat to the competition. Would you say that with this victory over the force, they've now established themselves as a team that can properly win it? Or do you think that because the force, you know, at um, back in WA are pretty much uh, unstoppable, that 
it seems a bit the likely that we that we'll probably see the toast rack heading to the west. Um, for 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 that for that not to happen, someone is going to have to beat the force in Perth, and that's where I think they have a a hugely distinct advantage. Um, New South Wales country have absolutely put them in the frame, put themselves in the frame to uh, to be considered contenders. I think they've still got a few question marks over them, but those question marks aren't anywhere near as um, you know big and bold as they were perhaps at the start of the competition. I think their their forward pack is ticking along really really well. Um, their outside backs are going really really well. If if anything, um, and it's quite funny to be saying this now going into round six. If anything, their only real concern has been that Jake White, uh, Jake White, Jake Gordon and Mac Mason just sort of haven't really clicked and haven't really, um, you know, performed at the level that you would expect them to perform at in this uh, mm. in this competition. It's been, you know, when, when I think about the backs, it's been uh, it's been Connor O'Shea who played fullback on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, who, who and and looks looks really really promising. Um, Nigel R. Wong comes back from wherever he's been playing, and I know he's been playing in New Zealand, I think, at, at some point. He pops up back for, for New South Wales country at outside centre and straight away reminded of you know, of all the qualities that he's shown even at Super Rugby level before. So, you know, that's a handy pick-up. Um, and, of course, the um, the young junior Wallabies uh, winger, um, and I'm... I'm no one, no one Gattasi, yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Um, look, he's... He's just been incredible. He's forced his way into the starting side in the last couple of weeks, and he's absolutely earned it. He, he's really, really earned it because he's playing. He's just playing really, really good rugby. And so, um, you know, I know I'm quite sure um, he's going to feature in in rising star discussions in, in, over these coming weeks because it's it, it it'd be well deserved because he's been playing really, really good. So, um, you know, it's it's been. It's been the younger guys for New South Wales country that have been stepping up, but certainly their forwards. And they've got a lot out of, um, you know, um, Harry Johnson-Holmes when he's been back. Tom Roberts has played a couple of games mm. for them. Um, you know, Ned Hannigan's been quite good. Um, you know, they've been, they've been really well, um, you know, really well represented. Tom Staniforth has been incredible for them. Um, mm. So, you know, I think they're, they've definitely put themselves in the frame. I don't think they've played their best game of rugby yet, though, which is really interesting to think about. Yeah, I agree, and I think look, I did, I did feel like that. I do feel like even though, kind of keeping back to that discussion about Mason, I do feel like while he has had his moments, he really hasn't had the chance to kind of really show what he can do during this right. season. I think, but he has been helped by the fact that you've got a lot of those guys like Noan Gattasi and um, Tim Clements as well in the coming yeah. from fullback yeah. standing up as well. It does actually bode quite. You know, considering at the moment I where the Waratahs are at with their, because I think that there was actually a they actually did a post earlier this week that they're still actually recruiting for head coach at the moment. And yeah. I, I, so, so the news and, and it's it's Tuesday when we're recording this. The news overwhelmingly on Tuesday. Well, they've, they've now appointed Rob Penny, haven't they? I'm not sure. I don't think so because. If, last they, if they haven't, haven't appointed him, then the news is that he is absolutely expected to be appointed like within the next day or two. So mm. it seems to me that that um, that that is I I don't think that's an active recruitment now. I think that's it seems like it's it's a done deal. Yeah, which is 
yeah, which I think it does it, it makes things uh, it does make things a lot more interesting in terms of the potential talent that could be coming up through the ranks. Um, mm. And I mean, this this touches on what you know because you mentioned it uh, in our pod last time how that New South Wales had went and had a good look at how at what Queensland have been doing in terms of their system. Yeah. And trying to get more players coming up and get, getting them through the likes of the of the club competition, through the likes of, you know, the the younger pathways, through the likes of the of your junior wallabies, and it's great to see that that's already happening, even yeah. for the likes of, of Sydney, because I think Will Harrison's now picked up a contract as well. Um, oh, yeah, yep, yep. He's looked really good. He's looked really good. Like the the um. The, the the number ten jersey for Waratah, for the Waratahs next year for New South Wales is going to be really really open. Um, you know, I can I can I could easily see at the moment I could easily see Mason and and Will Harrison both playing ten next year uh, and both yes. deserving it. So um, it's it's really really fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Um, I do think. Going back to the uh, to the point about the um, about uh, who we think could potentially win it, um, I do think country from a forwards perspective do have kind of shown a blueprint around where the, there could be some potential issues for the force, um, which I think is stuff that the teams like the Rising have um, have shown in previous games when they went over to WA and and really kind of uh, challenged the force pack a lot. I still agree with you though that I think the force would, are still favourites. Um, yeah. I think. In WA, they are playing outstanding rugby. On top of it, they are always pulling a crowd, and to to play in front of a, a filled, a packed hill, um, I think it it really does so much for many of those players, um, and really kind of uh, makes them click up another gear. So I think I still would say the force, in in my opinion, the force are still favourites to win, but it's so good to see that. It's going to be a, a really close affair in terms of who will be challenging them for it. Yeah. And we haven't we haven't even talked about Canberra and all this. Um, who, no, exactly. Well, let's yeah, let's who, do it now. Let's talk about Canberra. Uh, look, I, I think um, the the force the loss to the force showed you know, everything that's that's probably frustrated us about the Canberra Vikings over the previous five seasons of the uh, of the NRC, but then. They they come out and they really blew Fiji away. Yeah, like um, like forty one twenty eight looks like it was a you know, relatively you know re- like a relatively close game, but Fiji scored that last try with two minutes to play. So you know f- by forty one twenty one they they like it was, it's a, it's a it's a proper twenty point thumping. So um you know and the way that the Vikings went on that run in the second half and they score you know a try in the in the, in the on the fiftieth minute or something like that. Bank scores in the 66 minute, and they go in. They go in 10 minutes later. That's just sustained pressure, mm. and so you know, that's the sort of performance that they've always been capable of. But they just, for some reason, just haven't always shown it. Um, so that's that's definitely there. I, I I think there is now an expectation that they would that they will beat Sydney with a bonus point probably this weekend, um, and if New South Wales. Uh, happen to um, happen to find Queensland country uh, a little bit of tough going, then all of a sudden Canberra can can leap into uh, into into, you know, into second spot, um, and you know they're going to be there or thereabouts. So um, you know, look, I, I I think they're you know one out one back. They're they're in a really good spot at the moment. The Vikings. 
Yeah, and I think because this is we we touched on it in the last pod, but you mentioned how the the big thing that has always frustrated a lot of fans is just consistency for the Vikings. And I yeah. think that even though they did uh, did lose in uh, that match against uh, against the Force, um, as it, yeah, as it went. Yeah, but I do think that that to come back against the likes of the Drua, and then on top of it, you've got they've got three games at home, which effectively yeah. sets them for a run, for, uh, so, like th- uh, two games, like three games on the trop home. Um, I think it's, really is. It's something that they knew was coming, and so they knew that they had to get through the first four games. And if they could come through that first four games, you know, two and two, which is what they did effectively. Um, you know, they'd be in a, re- in a reasonably good spot. Um, you know, they, they, they obviously wanted to win all of them, but they knew that if, even if at worst-case scenario, they dropped two of those first four, then then playing the last three at home uh, was certainly going to give them an advantage. And, and they, so they found that against Fuji. They were, they were back to their clinical best last week. So, uh, yeah, I think, um, I think they're looking a bit dangerous again. Yeah, which I, which is, I think is going to, really be interesting going forward into the last two rounds and so i think what we'll do is we'll now touch on our uh, final predictions for the top uh the top four it's currently um at, at when we're recording this in round five the current teams in in the top four are the force followed by new south wales country uh the canberra vikings and then brisbane city uh rounding out the top four with country in fifth the rising in sixth drew the fiji and drew in seventh and then sydney with the wooden spoon this weekend is going to be a, a really interesting match. We've got, like you already mentioned, the Vikings will be hosting Sydney and Canberra. The Rising will be playing Fiji in Melbourne. Um, and then you've got the uh, the Battle of the Bush with Queensland country versus New South Wales country. Uh, it's, 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 it really, like, that's, that's, that's you know, that, that that's how the little rivalries start building up. And, I mean, New South Wales country and Queensland country was always going to be a rivalry. I think that's that's not a, that's a good that's a good thing. Um, but this is a really interesting game, isn't it? Because, you know, Queensland country beat Brisbane City quite well on the weekend, yeah. uh, um, you know, 42-26. And so, um, you know, this is a really important win for them because if they beat New South Wales country, beat Fiji in the last round, then they're going to give themselves a chance. So, um you know, just as I've said, I don't think the bottom three teams can make it. Queensland country have to win this weekend to be included in that conversational thing. Yeah, I agree. And I think that considering uh, that they had those two really lacklustre performances against Sydney and Melbourne, um, to turn around and win a, a game like that against Brisbane City, there really kind of is no excuse. They really have to show up um, and put in a performance to have a chance of, of making it. Um, but anyway, that last match, uh, which was for the weekend, for this weekend coming, was the Force against Brisbane City uh, at, UW, uh, at UWA Sports Park in Perth. Um, so, kind of with that in mind, Brett, who do you see uh, hosting the, the semi-finals come the end of round seven? Do you think it's going to be the four teams that are currently in the top four, or do you think that the likes of Country or maybe even the Drewer could pull off a miracle uh, fight back? And somehow make it into the top four. No, I've I've got a, I've, my my gut feel is that is that the current top four is the top four going forward. Um, and even within that, it wouldn't surprise me if the only change is New South Wales country and Canberra swapping spots. Yeah. So Canberra taking second, um, 
and then your New South Wales country, Brisbane City, to round out the top four. I, I, and I think that would probably be a fair indication. Um, I, I think I think they've been they, they've been the four most consistent teams, um, and and you know, and I'm saying that, which includes two teams that have got two losses in all that too. So, mm. um, yeah, I, I think that would be a pretty fair indication of. Um, of the quality of the competition this year. So I, th- I think, yeah, Western Force, Canberra, New South Wales Country, Brisbane, I think is how, how uh, the top four finishes. Yeah, I do I do think that uh, the Force and the Vikings are, are definites in terms of um, of making the the, uh, the top four. New South Wales Country, I'm a little bit more hesitant about in terms of you've got the, with the likes of Queensland Country specifically uh, on the, because yeah. New South Wales Country have two really tough games to finish being country away from home, New Queensland country away from home, and yep. then Canberra Vikings in Canberra. Um, I do think they do have it in them to, to at least grab, maybe potentially win one of those games or at least grab some losing bonus points, which I think considering uh, where they are is will be quite valuable. Um, so I think that going uh, – it really, really for me depends on what Queensland country team turns up on this weekend um, at at Bond University. If it's the Queensland country team that Sydney and Melbourne put to the sword, um, then New South Wales will run all over them effectively. Um, But if it is the team that has really shown up the likes of Brisbane City and and the Canberra Vikings, then we could be in for a really great match. And um, a match that will potentially decide that uh, that position – um, I'm not totally sure about Brisbane City either. I think that while Brisbane City have had their have had some really great moments, um, likewise they've also had some moments where they've not been as um, as convincing, such as yeah. uh, you know in the in that loss to Queensland Country that they that we had from the weekend just gone, which I think was a match that probably you and I would have tipped to them to win. So I think. It uh, probably after this result, after this round, we'll probably have a clearer sense. Well, as we do, because we get closer to the to the end of the season. But yeah. I do say that the only two that I think are definitely are definite for, for for being locked in are, the, are unsurprisingly the Force and the Vikings. But I think it's going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of weeks coming up. Yeah, oh, it is no, no doubt. It's been um, it's been it's been a really interesting season. Has been a really interesting season, and uh, yeah, I think we're we're in for. A, I mean, I'm quite sure there's a few more twists and turns yet, but it's been a, been a really, really interesting season. It's been really enjoyable. Yeah, in- indeed. So uh, for all the uh, for everyone listening, um, if you have the time, get down to one of these games. So this weekend, like I already mentioned, the Vikings will be hosting Sydney in Cam- at Viking Park in Canberra. Uh, the Melbourne Rising will be hosting the Fijian Drua at Casey Fields in Melbourne. Uh, Queensland Country will be playing New South Wales Country uh, at Bond University on the Gold Coast, and then the Western Force will be uh, uh, finishing the round with a, with a match against Brisbane City at UWA Sports Park in Perth. I think that pretty much wraps us up for this uh, for this episode of the Drop Kickoff. The only thing other thing to mention is the Emerging States Championship NRC Division Two finished up last week, and if <laughs> this will probably raise a dry, dry smile, Brett, the end result of that was the Perth Gold team defeating New South Wales Country in the final, 15 to five. There you go. So, <laughs> there you go. So, if Western uh, Western Force fans, you could take that as a as a sign of what's going to happen to the main team ahead. Uh, but yeah, interesting times ahead. But yeah, thanks very much for coming on again, Brett. Always a pleasure talking to NRC with you. 
Yeah, thanks, mate. It's been, uh, as I said, it's been really enjoyable. It's been, it's been, it's been great to get into it, um, like we have to a, a couple of times over the over the course of the tournament. So, uh, it's been some great rugby. Um, still some great rugby to come over the next month, and I'm sure. Um, and yeah, get get on out there because there's some there's some some great great games, some great teams um, on show over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll probably touch on it again in a couple of weeks' time. Um, but yeah, so for everyone, get along to those NRC games. Enjoy your Rugby World Cup uh, games as well. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you the next time round. But what did go wrong? I have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Shirley Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Shirley Bombo. Very interesting. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Shirley Bombo. Very good. Very good.